2: Hey guys, welcome to the 57th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, storytelling, and directing. We're two working directors in Los Angeles discussing the ups and downs of our careers with new and veteran directors. I'm Matt Enlow, And
0: I'm Warren Kaplan. And today we have Eric Kisak back to answer some listener questions. We actually got a bunch of listener questions this week that we thought would be applicable to most of our other listeners. They're mainly about, you know, kind of decision-making when you're at a fork in your career And you're trying to decide whether you should take the money job or the passion job.
2: If you listened to last week's episode, Eric kind of just went through all of those sorts of decisions and had a ton of great insights. So we thought, hey, why don't you hang out and we'll go through this stockpile
0: of awesome questions. So he's weighing in. And if you didn't listen to last week, Eric Kisak is a director. He's done a feature, a bunch of commercials. He did a short film that exploded on Vimeo. And he's also an editor of many awesome movies like The Dictator, Bruno, Cedar Rapids, Role Models, Daddy's Home. Currently, he's editing on Veep, and right before that,
2: he was doing The Good Place. So he's bonafide, you guys. Yeah. But first, before we get into Eric's advice on all these awesome listener questions, Oren,
0: what have you been working on lately? Well, I've been uh, I've been working on some of my own projects and scripts. I've been meeting up with a lot of people that I feel are like minded. With me that I that we like the same things, just to kind of brainstorm some new projects to pitch. But I actually want to use my catch up segment to talk about our podcast for a second and the type of guests that I feel like I want to have on our podcast. We get a lot of emails about people that are indie filmmakers that are you know kickstarting their first feature that have that are really experts at DIY filmmaking, knowing how to make really low budget films and kind of I. I for me, I'm actively trying to not make our podcast be about how to make really mm-hmm. cheap, low-budget films and rather to be about how to make a career as a director. And so I want kind of one of the qualifiers of most of the directors that we have on the podcast are directors that make their living from directing. To me, there's there's something kind of motivational or inspirational about knowing that you don't have to be making these giant studio films to make a living as a director, one of the questions that we're going to talk about is from our listener, Luke Sheldon. And he actually wrote something really nice in his email to us where he said, I come from a small village in England where director isn't a job that exists. So I'm grateful to even be in the industry. And now after listening to all of your podcasts, I feel like I've been given insights that would otherwise be unavailable to someone who didn't even realize that film school was a thing until a few years ago. So, you know, I'd love to listen, to hear from our listeners if the guests that we're having on are the type of guests that that they like. There's this, I don't know if it's a famous quote, but there's this quote that I've heard a couple times about people in the film industry, which is there is a ton of first-time directors, but there are not really a lot of second-time directors. <laughs> and I'm kind of trying to weed out those first-time directors because until you've you know kind of trudged through the trenches, it's hard to... To know if you're gonna if you're in it for the long haul or not, and or I even want, if you like it, right? Yeah, and I want to have directors on here that are in it for the long haul because I think this podcast is about talking to people that are making a career, not making a movie. Yeah. Um, I think there's also uh,
2: just a ton of really wonderful resources out there for people who are getting their start in that way, you know, like between Film Riot and Indie Mogul and Gnome Film School. I, I feel like that. That kind of hole has really been wonderfully, you know, filled. And like, kind of how we both got our starts, right? Or like Freddie W videos, and like Rocket Jump has their own film school now as well. Like, people are doing awesome work in that realm. So I think like our idea was that we would inspire people and relate to people in a in a different and hopefully unique way.
0: Right, and also say like, hey, you can make a living directing. Web commercials or branded series, or you know, whatever obviously TV and movies and everything, but just that I think there's this misconception that you either have to make it big or you don't make it at all in Hollywood. And I think to me, the podcast is about that middle area that you don't have to be, you know, super famous, you don't have to be Steven Spielberg to be a successful director, and so. You know, hopefully you guys agree, but I, I would really love to hear from our listeners if you can just write us, a, drop us a line and say, hey, I like the guests. Hey, it would be nice if we got more DPs. Hey, it would be nice if we had more DIY filmmaking stuff. Just kind of what you guys are looking for from this podcast. Because I think we're really enjoying making it. And we, we've we learned a lot and probably even changed our own directing techniques based on our guests. Oh yeah, 100%.
2: I, I would say also, you know, it's been really awesome to see, I think we kind of have found like a nice niche in terms of our audience. And like, I'm seeing a lot more people tweeting to us and like, obviously like writing in these questions and things that's been really wonderful. So like, it's cool to see this sort of community forming of people who are, you know, in the same boat because that's really what this is project is all about is just kind of like, you know, connecting people who understand each other. Right. And
0: saying, hey, it's okay to dream. (laughs) Yeah, ultimately, we're really excited about you guys. And this episode is kind of dedicated to you and your questions and the things you're interested in. So let's go into it. Let's hop into it. Thanks, guys. Okay, cool. So we invited Eric Kisak back to answer some listener questions with us because he has such good insight. On everything directing related, that is way so too kind. Thanks for thanks for being here, Eric. Of course, and thanks for all the questions, guys. I feel like this this is the most questions we've had in a long time. Yeah, we had an influx. We had many many questions. We chose five of them to discuss on the podcast. <laughs> that could be that's five
1: hefty questions. Yeah, yeah. I think that's we might Let's be like, like.
0: I think by question two, we'll be like, well, kind of like how we said oh, question one. So a lot well, the of the first one will be like a long answer, and the second one will just. Yeah, I mean, I think. Riff. From Based on the listener questions, we're kind of getting to know our listener base a little better, okay. which is really cool for us. And I think a lot of people that listen to our podcast are have directed some things. M- many of them don't live in L.A. Mm-hmm. And they're considering kind of the... The full commitment. Like, should I move to LA? They're trying to figure out how shitty their life is going to be if they move here. I have some strong opinions about this.
1: (laughs) Well, all our lives
0: are okay. I don't know. Our lives are pretty great. To me, it's like (laughs) you can move. Well, one of my three questions, and then we'll get into it. I'm just going to answer them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, our first question comes from listener Corey Jarvis. He says, I'm a stand up comic in New York City. To help build my resume over the past few years, I've started making sketches, and even bought some of my own equipment. Recently, I wrote my first short and shot it in Times Square. The whole process was an incredible learning experience and has made me want to become a more proficient director and editor. I've read books, watched YouTube tutorials, but I wonder if a class would provide a more well-rounded education. Do you think a class is worth it, or should I spend the money on another project and continue to learn from my mistakes? So it was kind of like one of the... Many premises of this show, which is to film school or not to film school, right? <laughs> to film school or not to film school? Yeah, I mean, well, Eric, what do you think?
1: I, I, it's funny. I think that the question entirely hinges upon whether or not you have access to people that can give you good feedback. Basically, do you have do you have honest friends or honest, mm-hmm. you know, uh, colleagues or, or or you know, collaborators? Because I think that. I'm a big fan of learning by doing, Assu- assuming you can get out of the little kind of bubble of of your head, you know, and if, if if you can actually show it to people who who either are smart or know what they're doing and can give you really good feedback, that's that's kind of all you need, I think, to keep growing as a filmmaker and to keep making good things. And I think that's a lot of what school. I didn't go to film school, so so. I, I can't fully yeah, understand. Yeah, I, th- I think you're
2: giving too much credence to the notes you get in film school, which tend to be pretty
1: Well, <laughs> pretty okay, <bad. laughs> okay, that's fair, that's fair. But I cool. think that just, I mean, everything that I know about film school from people I talk to, it's the meeting people right. and, and and working and seeing their work and, and like getting mm-hmm. the, the kind of interaction from from Seeing that. what mistakes they've made, yeah. all of that stuff, yeah. Yeah, and, and kind of being pushed by their work, do better work and that kind of thing, you know. And so I think that you can get that, from you know a, com- a community
0: of filmmakers, say you know it doesn't necessarily have to be class, right, right. right? It's funny. I think of school films. You know, we're talking about film school, but school in general, as its main goal, is to provide a motivation that you've you're obligated to adhere to. You've paid someone, but if it's you know graduate school or your parents mm-hmm. force you to go mm-hmm. there, if it's like undergrad, and if if you want to finish it, you have to do the work. And to me, like the difference between successful filmmakers and unsuccessful filmmakers is 100% motivation. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so if the school kind of forces you to turn in a script on Wednesday and, you know, put together a crew by next week, or, hey, out of these 20 students, we're only going to produce three of your short films, so yours better be like one of the top three best ones. I think that's what some people get. So, you know, Corey's a comedian that's kind of found his interest in in this medium where you can like kind of share your comedy much easier than just to a room full of people so you know it's hard to be super specific with his case but i think if it's like if you're having trouble motivating and finding people to work with then going to class is good but if that's not a problem then that money could be better spent yeah yeah i mean my
1: my instinct is just just keep making stuff and spend spend the money on that especially with comedy Mm -hmm. you know because i don't know how much comedy can be taught and I don't I also don't know like obviously filmmaking techniques can be taught but I actually think some of the funniest stuff is when you don't necessarily know all the, all the, the techniques and you're mm-hmm. just kind of figuring it out and its I don't mean I don't know I, I, I think that I think that if there's a, there's something to be said for the rough and the rawness of, of really just like making
0: those mistakes and, and yeah,
1: you, know, you yeah. see that.
0: I mean, it's a really old example, but the pilot, the original pilot for always sunny in Philadelphia that helped them sell the show. is like one of the least, the most poorly produced pieces of content video ever made. <laughs> and it's so funny. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, I, you know, I think just to kind of, I, I agree with you guys completely, but I think the other thing that's interesting to think about is like in the comedy community, I think there's kind of already places where you can get feedback, right? Like mm-hmm. if Corey's going up, relatively frequently then you know he's getting feedback on whether or not he's funny already right just through laughs Right. right and like start putting up a couple of the videos you know maybe screen them in front of your friends make sure that they're like battle tested and ready to go and then start putting those up that is a free film school that also advances your career but where right, mm-hmm. would you put them up? Just like just just like that, that shows, right? Like like oh yeah yeah, yeah Like yeah, if you're doing good, yeah. most comedy clubs will like be down to let you you know do a video, especially if it's like in between sets
1: or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like totally. Right. Like here at
0: UCB, mean. like there's been UCB, so many super shows serious everything. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah. It's like an SNL sketch yeah, that's yeah, live. Yeah, yeah, I think
1: it's great because 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 hearing people's response. Yeah. Is, is what you need empirically you know whether it's funny yeah. or not yeah. are people, laughing, or are people laughing are people laughing are people laughing the right places right, right. you know and and if, it, and if they're not laughing why yeah so i wonder if maybe part of Corey's other
2: the subtext of his question is that he's maybe feeling a little nervous about his fundamentals right mm-hmm. like the 180 line and like apertures and stuff mm-hmm. like that and i would say that part Some people are really just apt to picking that up. Like, Orin, you're a great example of self-teaching, right? Like, there are plenty of tutorials out there that'll help you with a lot of that stuff. And if you keep shooting it, you kind of get that under your feet and you you figure it out. But that would be the one thing where maybe it would be worth taking a look at a film class. That being said, they're not as helpful as you want them to be.
1: I mean, it goes back to my original point. Like, like I think that if there's someone in Corey's life who can look at the video and be like, "Dude, this is really funny," but it looks like shit yeah <laughs> you yeah And that can be maybe- like figuring out why it looks like shit is the tricky part right yeah. right right right
0: yeah, yeah. it also depends how passionate you are about the technical side like do you right. want to spend an entire day researching what microphone you know 100 hundred yeah. dollar microphone will give you the best sound and where to place it and how yeah. lights you know will make your scene look better camera mm-hmm. movement And sometimes like
2: film professors aren't even going to know that. Sure. You know, like most of the time they won't. They'll just be like, yeah, use the pro
1: gear that we rent. I mean, it's interesting that Corey used the the term class because it sort of, that to me like implies like six week editing course Mm -hmm. or something, you know, like that's really film school. You know, of which, funnily enough, I used to teach in New York. That was one of my first jobs. Oh. I taught editing at a, at a great school in New York called the Edit Center, which Corey should look into, absolutely. The Edit Center? The Edit Center. That said, you know, unless Corey wants a career in editing, which I think is a noble thing. Why wouldn't you? Want <laughs> <laughs> it might not be the best use, use of resources. But check it out. I mean, they have like a one-week intensive. They have like a six-week intensive, you know, blah, blah, blah. But um, I'm still firmly on, on the on the side of like figure it out. Yeah. yourself, and and maybe find some other people who like
2: to research microphones, like maybe right. it's like, like a right, sound guy, guys. and a exactly, yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, f- filmmaking, as we all know, is a collaborative medium, you know. And if Corey finds
0: his dude who loves microphones, and you know, like th- yeah. that, could be a great team, perhaps. Yeah. Right. Let me just add one last thing, or ask you, Eric, specifically, just to make this more specific to Corey's question. You started out in New York. Is there do you feel like there are as many opportunities in New York for kind of yep. new directors? <laughs> <laughs> Easy answer. No,
1: no. I think that the the film community in New York is dramatically smaller. I think that because of that, there's this, there's this real sense in New York. There's this real like martyrdom that exists mm-hmm. in New York of like everyone in the, working in, in the film industry is like killing themselves, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what, it, that's what you need to do. I mean, it's kind of a New York thing in general. It's like yeah, yeah, just a right. hard place to live. Yeah, I think it live. sounds like you're describing New York. Yeah, yeah, but it's very true in the film industry. It's like, it's like everyone I knew was like, was like working just more hours, more stress, harder, you know, and, and it's not to say that in, in LA it's easy, but because it's much more of a, a lifestyle out here, a much more, you know, like there's, there's, there's family, there's mm-hmm. a lot, you know, there's, there's people who do, do it as a living, and still have time for their kids, and that everyone sort of knows that. And so I just think that in general, I don't know, the lifestyle here for in the film industry is much calmer and saner. Chiller, you might Chiller, say. <laughs> it is definitely chiller. And and there's just many more opportunities.
2: Well, I wonder if maybe you can turn that small niche group into an asset, right? Like I feel like sometimes if, if it's a concentrated group of people, that's an easier group to infiltrate, you know? Mm-hmm. So like is, when you were in New York, were there places specific? Like, you know, if you're into comedy, you go to UCB or like, are there places like that that you could recommend for Corey? Or, yeah, I mean, I mean, UCB. <laughs> there you,
0: go. you were there you, go. you were editing Stella when you went there. I was editing Stella. Um, I always
2: forget that. That's the fucking
0: best. It's like, <laughs> and so wasn't that like a group of. Comedy buddies that put together a show and got it, it sold. It was. Well, originally it was the state.
1: So, you know, incredibly and bizarrely, 11 NYU grads from not all in the same year, I think they're from two years, different years, got together, became a sketch comedy group, and sold a show to MTV. MTV is based in New York too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, that, that happened once in the last <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> well I human mean, giant yeah human giant white kids you know yeah, yeah sure which i also worked on yeah i always forget that fuck man <laughs> god damn so awesome but you know yeah so yes yes absolutely you know there's 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 groups but i mean hey look you know almost every member of, of the state lives in la now <laughs> right you know human giant is all sure. out here white kids are all out here you know and so yeah you could argue so much chiller yeah there's so much there you could argue yeah okay they got their start in new york and they came out here and i buy that and so yeah Corey should you know try to carve a name for himself in new york
0: but then he should move out here (laughs) when all of his friends do right Right. there's always that uh, the brain drain right and And i do feel like i i don't know the comedy scene in new york at all but i do know that the comedy scene here is very like video aware like there's no Mm -hmm. one that's on an improv team or in a sketch group that hasn't at least discussed making videos. It's the same in New York.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, I think yeah. kind of frankly, thanks to human giant, right? Like those guys were pretty early on. Yeah. Um, well, Stella also. Yeah. Stella, I guess that's yeah. true. But literally Eric, like some of the very first videos I've ever seen on the internet were Stella videos. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Fuck man. Well, yeah. so That's cool. Good Good well, blow my mind. Yeah. Hopefully that's helpful, Corey. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> cool. So our next listener question comes from Luke Sheldon. he says, I'm at the beginning of my directing career. I found a full-time job editing for a production company in Chicago, and I see some opportunity in the future to, to direct for them. We produce basic corporate videos, although occasionally a more creative project will appear. Where I really want to head is movie or TV directing. If I was directing some projects for the current company as well as editing, it wouldn't leave me much time for personal creative projects. So my question is, which path do I take? Do I dive head first into commercial directing and swap my editing job for a commercial director's job in the future? And then try to jump into TV and movie directing? Or do I just keep editing full time and build up a portfolio of creative projects on the side so that I can get hired for TV and movies and then work my way up to directing? Yeah. So I think maybe the key thing to
2: think about, because I feel like normally we know the answer to this question, but I think that he's in Chicago and that's an advertising town is kind of an interesting wrinkle in that story, right? Yeah, I guess I Like there's I, more opportunity it, there than kind of than you would than for basically advertising? For advertising, yeah.
1: It's so, I, it was sort of a long question, but in,
0: in the question, was there a mention of moving to Los Angeles? There was not, but okay. I, we actually did respond to Luke and mentioned, I mean, we kind of, like, tell people in we general that it's... We tell people to LA, yeah. Yeah, they don't have to, but it makes things easier. Right. But I think kind of a question that, you know, we, we have for ourselves, we've just talked about on our last episode, is... Do you dive headfirst into commercials and right. hope that leads to mm-hmm. TV and movies, right. or do you just, you know, work as an editor, learning your craft and honing your craft while, yeah, yeah, working independently on your TV and and film? Yeah. I mean, this question essentially is
1: my life, so <laughs> so I'll kind of just sort of reiterate a lot of some something what I said last episode, which is that I think that I've come to believe that you should be in the building of the company that does what you want to do. <laughs> it's, a, it's a poor metaphor, but basically, you know, if, if you want to be doing film and TV, you should be as close to that as possible. Mm-hmm. And that's, it sounds like that's the latter of what Luke yeah. is saying, you know, of, of kind of like, you know, try to get involved maybe as an editor, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, as anything in, in, in that world, make those connections because it's all about connections. We got, we can all agree. Right. Yeah. Right. That like, you know, it's the producer that you meet, it's the
0: studio executive that you become friends with. That kind of thing, you know, I mean, but it it's connections plus material. Yes. Equals yes. success. hundred mm-hmm. percent. And so it's that material is, is it better to have this awesome short film like the gunfighter or is it better to have like, Ten branded spots for Pepsi and Microsoft, you know, and Quiznos. Yeah, I mean, it kind of, it,
2: it's it's a combination of what do you actually want to do, right? And like honing your skills, right? I mm-hmm. think that maybe the th- yeah the thing that we need to keep in mind is that like this is a company that has a lot of corporate videos and like some cool creative stuff, right? Right, and chances are that he will probably get the less cool stuff, less starting cool out. stuff. So I think like there's a pretty limited. Uh, rather diminishing returns in terms of like how polished your craft becomes when you're doing corporate videos. Mm-hmm. Not to shit on them because I think actually the game corporate video game has like really skyrocketed with the advent of like DSLRs and like mm-hmm. being a one-man band. I think that they're a lot. And
0: also as they meld into like TV or internet yeah. commercials. Like there's this company I've talked about at Sandwich Video Yeah, that does, they basically do app commercials. Right. But they're mm-hmm. really freaking good. And they'll nice. do
2: broadcast commercials in the same campaign yeah 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 like those Um, true car commercials yeah those
0: are yeah
1: yeah so it's brief it's worth briefly talking about the fact that i got my start as a commercial as a a corporate oh video editor before the state yes i spent three years as a corporate video editor how old are you i know right (laughs) so i was was doing that early and i was working for i did corporate videos for ibm Mm -hmm. and pfizer and like you know a bunch of bunch of you know big corporations and the budgets are good for those would you say, yeah i mean i was kind of like yeah 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 no i was i mean i was making more money than i made for like years afterwards yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know and i had for a long time had this idea that i would somehow work my way up mm-hmm. from what i was doing to the things that i wanted to be doing right, right. you know and it took me a long time to realize that that wasn't going to happen You know, and it might have just been completely naive, and I just and I just want to make sure that like it's clear that like there are different silos. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. You can't take a corporate video, even if it is literally the very best corporate video that like moves people to tears. You cannot take it to a TV studio and be like,
1: "Look what I did." Yeah, it doesn't work exactly. Yeah. So I had so I basically it it took me three years, but I realized okay, I need to start again, and you know wound up through a bunch of zigs and zags. Working in commercials, and I was like, you know, like I was like editing, I was like editing commercials, and I was like, oh, okay, this is this is this is this is closer. This is like step in the right direction. It took me another year to realize I was just another silo, right? You know, and that it didn't it didn't connect. And I, the only way that I was going to eventually get to what I wanted to do, which is TV film, was to was to start there at the bottom and and work my way up. You know, do you think that you accelerated? Through TV and film faster
2: though because of all of the skills that you acquired in corporate videos think, and commercials. I think honestly,
1: it was the big the best thing that helped me was just the kind of like combination of confidence and just like pissed offness that I felt like I <laughs> spent like four years doing something stuff that I didn't want to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know that I could then sort of like walk in and just be like, yeah, I can fucking do that. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so so yeah, if you're you know if you're storing up some some bitter energy Luke in your current job <laughs> <laughs> that you can then use um, no but I just I'm a big fan of I I'm a strong believer in you know like if you want to be an agent like you know immediately go to the mailroom mm-hmm. and and start there just you dive know? in just dive in can. if yeah. you if you want to edit movies like immediately like be a PA mm-hmm. like get get lunch for the editor on a movie you know like And if you want to, I mean, it's more complicated for directing, obviously. But I think if you want to direct movies, you need to just be around that world, be in that world. Devil's advocate. And I don't know where I
2: really land on this, but I wonder if maybe it makes sense because it sounds like Luke wants to be a director, though, like and wants to do features. Is there any wisdom in staying in Chicago, making good money, living in a great town and then like making a micro budget feature before he moves out? Yeah,
0: or an awesome short yeah like I'm gonna be a little presumptuous here, mm-hmm. Eric, but you did a feature that played at a bunch of festivals mm-hmm. and then you did a short film that was played on Vimeo it was like the kind of highlight of that film. Mm-hmm. Which one of those two got you more work? The short film right So I think like mm. the micro budget feature is like a year or two of struggles, whereas sure. a short film could be a couple months of really focusing on you know on exactly what you want to do and maybe even having the time to do it which you'll never have on that micro budget feature so i don't know but i will say that okay this is completely anecdotal
1: but the thing that really lit things up like 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 sort of jump-started my my career it wasn't just that this film that i made this film and it got on vimeo and like a bunch of people watched it Two things happened. One, there was a an executive and new line who I met because of my editing career who saw the film and loved it and personally passed it on to a bunch of agents and managers who then passed it on to other agents and managers. And so like he got like, you like had a champion. So like a million yeah. people had already watched it online yeah. before anyone in Hollywood had seen it.
2: Yeah. You right. know. And that's this, funny
1: because normally we call it talk about
2: Hollywood viral. Normally it happens Hollywood viral first, and maybe never a million people. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's funny.
1: Right. So, so it was because of my insider knowledge that that happened, and my commercial. You know, I mean, I eventually a bunch of other bunch of commercial people sort of came knocking, but the production company that I signed with that did well for me is entirely because of filmmaker named Ruben Fleischer of Zombieland fame. You know who I know through the industry is, is is a guy that i met and, and and he saw the short film and he was like you should be doing commercials and he called up the heads of this company and was like watch this short and they watched it and that's how i got you know so i, I just you know completely anecdotal but but in my experience it's all about relationships and those
0: relationships get formed by just being in the building right <laughs> you know yeah yeah no i think i would agree with that i mean i again it's like the it's being in the building plus having something to yes, show. Yes, 100%. Yeah. So, yeah, I did my first huge, huge job it was like a $25,000 CPR training video. It was like two hours. I had to do an English version, and a Spanish version. I worked my ass off on it for like three months, you know, and we had all these dramatized scenes, but at the end of the day, there are people doing CPR, you know, and having <laughs> strokes and stuff. And the first thing that got me like the type of job that I wanted was like a YouTube video I made, you know, not. Mm-hmm that big budget big budget i mean for me that was a massive budget uh, for a corporate video so yeah i mean i guess what we're telling you luke is if you really want to do more narrative storytelling do narrative Mm storytelling it's like what they tell writers all the time right if you want to be a writer right right yeah that's what i would
1: say and Uh, move to la
0: yeah it's so much fun (laughs) yeah come on out. super affordable (laughs) (laughs) um well, I mean, you know,
1: it's not like Chicago
0: is is Wichita, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you'd be surprised. <laughs> cool. Okay. Well, so our next question is from Scott Harper. He says, "Hey guys, how are you? I was wondering how creators make money off of free content, like The Gunfighter or Miss Twenty Fifty Nine, which is a series that I directed, or Shitty Boyfriend, which is a series that Matt directed, for example."
2: Yeah. Well, so in. I, that's kind of two different situations, right? So, Eric, you kind of the Gunfighter is like was a portfolio piece, right? You did on expect, right. right? So, you did you end up making any money off the Gunfighter?
1: No.
0: Did you pay for it out of your own pocket?
1: Yes. I, the Gunfighter cost twenty five thousand dollars. How long is it? Nine minutes. So that's still kind of a bargain, right? Like yeah, yes and no. I mean so twenty five thousand dollars is a lot of money. It's a lot but, of money. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of money, and you can make a short for. For nothing, or yeah, you, yeah. Can, you know, right. or you can when make you a really shot e- in a real saloon, yeah, yeah. yeah, with yeah, yeah. Real yeah. Actors so and this stunts. is a period piece with you know the You're sets still and calling the, in favors, so I guess. What oh I can, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we could have spent a hundred thousand dollars on it easily, you know. But so the Gunfighter was licensed by a number of foreign companies for like Polish TV and like chinese you know like you know and so i think in the end i think something like about ten thousand dollars came back in mm-hmm. all told including a couple of festival prizes you know so i don't think i quote-unquote made money off of it but some money came you made again. some money back and of course like that created more opportunities but the, that yeah made? the absolute number one reason i did it was to get work and i've Easily gotten more than twenty five thousand dollars worth of work, right. or fifteen thousand, you know, like I much more, right? Just, just from work that came directly from the gunfighter. So for me, it was a, it was an investment in my career, and so
0: yeah, so yeah. I would say for these Verizon Go ninety shows, I mean, they put out a press release last year saying that they don't expect to make money back on any of the Go ninety stuff for like three or four years. Yeah, like that's part of the plan. And you know, they're not unlike uh, TV in in that
2: they're you're not paying out of pocket for to watch those shows but you know they're making money on advertising and uh, you know foreign licensing deals and things like that so we're we're of course paid and our crews are paid and you know the budgets aren't insane they're not like you know as big as say tv budgets but they're still you know like independent film budgets basically
0: and it's still like a gamble like for every board to death you get a game of thrones right right like the I love board to death, right? But I don't know if that's a huge money maker for HBO. Yeah, no. And so I think, she with a vital, yeah, yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Or crackle, let's yeah. say they have one show anyone's heard of, right? Comedians, Comedians in cars getting, getting it, coffee. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they're you know, in Hollywood, that is like studios, they make a hundred movies and five of them make money and 95 of them lose money. But those five make so much money yeah. that it covers the losses. So I think our shows are you know, that they're in that ecosystem of you know new digital shows it's a new medium still and verizon who you know i think this digital channel like putting a million dollars into a digital show is not a big deal for right Um, but just to be clear so the it's unclear exactly if he was asking
1: how we the filmmakers make money or how the company makes money but just to be completely clear for people listening you guys were paid, yeah, by yeah. the company to make this "quote unquote" free video. Yeah, our rates are the same whether they're it's a flop or a
2: hit. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, we're yeah. directors for hire. Yeah, and I think like you know this new era of you know digital streaming shows, whether it's Go ninety or Hulu or Netflix, you know, there's a bit of a land rush. Everyone knows that those companies are going to be making tons of money eventually, or at least they're all betting on it. So so their war chests are full right Right. now. Like everyone's buying content. Everyone's spending a ton of money on that. So who knows if they'll make them back or not. But, you know. Will they they be Netflix or will they be? You know, Netflix, like I don't know about Netflix being cash positive. They just like borrowed like a billion dollars last year Mm. that they're investing all in, you know, new content. And their library content is shrinking. So clearly there's a, you know. There's an idea there
0: that basically it'll just be become not unlike HBO, right? Right. right. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, Yeah. and just to clarify to our listeners, especially if you're new, like Matt and I, and to some extent Eric, when you're when he's working on like commercials and stuff, we basically get you know we have a day rate or a flat rate or a project rate, and we just there's a budget for you know a Go ninety series or a commercial or whatever, and one line in that budget is how much they're going to pay the director. And we get that money. Yeah. You know? And whether whether it's all upfront or split up over the course of the progress typically, of the project.
2: Typically it's spread out over the course yeah. of the project. Yeah. Usually
0: you'll get, you know, something like a third up front, a third when production's done, and a third when the final edits are delivered. Yeah. They don't want to give you all of the money before post is over, basically. <laughs>
1: but there's yeah. a, there's there is a vast a vast array of free online videos that people make, like the gunfighter, who just want to get attention mm-hmm. very but, premium yeah. videos too like i would say yeah.
2: most of vimeo exactly is like in that situation yeah. yeah
1: yeah yeah so if you're a filmmaker and you're i mean you know we're, we mentioned well, not this episode last episode we mentioned every frame of painting mm-hmm. and i don't know how that guy makes money
2: i don't know if he does it, patreon yeah the patreon he makes money now okay, but but like squaresville season one i kickstarted. the show cost much more than that, especially if you paid for favors. And it's the same situation as you, Eric. It was like, oh, that's how my career started, basically, is by kind of taking that gamble early on.
0: Yeah. Before we move on to the next question, I feel really bad, but I remembered something I wanted to tell Luke in our last question. Do you guys mind if I say it? Yeah, go for it. So there's like one of my tutorial gurus. There's two websites I go to for tutorials, videocopilot.net, it's like the After Effects, and Grayscale Gorillas for Cinema 4D. And Nick Campbell, who runs Grayscale Gorilla, one of his edicts for himself is that if he feels like he's the smartest guy at a company or the most talented, or kind of at the top of his game, he'll move to a new company or to a new group mm. of people. Because the second you're only teaching and you're not learning, you're kind of like missing out on advancing your career. So I like that. Again, to Luke, if you're like it's like what Eric said, like, you know, you get to a point where you just feel so confident about your work and that's like not the best place to be because it's better if you go into a new company and you realize, Oh wait, I'm at the bottom and I can learn all these things to, to go up to the next level. Cause I, after I did that CPR training video, I remember I did like this comedy video for someone that hired me and I was like, just trust me. It's gonna look amazing. It's gonna be edited like so well. It's gonna it sound like a Trump speech. Like people are gonna be cracking up. It's now. It's just all about the writing and the acting. If you guys can can bring me the resources, like, do not worry about like the technical part. It's gonna be amazing. And guess what? It wasn't. It wasn't that great. But at the time, like when I was, I, I made like this. the best CPR training video in the in the industry. I felt like I was at the top of my game. You Is know? there
2: a link to the CPR training video that we can see? Yeah, please. I probably have some videos. I mean, there's sta-
0: standard def. Can you <laughs> watch that stuff yeah, um, yeah, forget man. it. We shot on like a DVX-100 or something. Nice.
2: <laughs> Stand behind the victim and
1: locate the navel. Place your closed fist above the navel and grasp it with the other hand. Now perform forceful inward and upward abdominal thrust. But my wife's pregnant. Won't that hurt the baby? Good point. When dealing with either a pregnant or obese person... Place your fist over the center of the breastbone and thrust only...
0: Anyway, so so yeah. So to me, it's like, again, back to the question of motivation or like what makes a filmmaker successful. It's like always kind of trying to move to the next step up. And like Eric said, if you're not in the building where people are above you or, you know, can teach you something, then you're probably moving slower than you can. Okay, so this next question comes from someone that Matt labeled as Justin. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know his last name. but What should, what
2: should we say? Or I guess
0: Justin Marcher. Oh, Justin Marcher. Yeah, Marcher. Um, I guess. Justin yeah. M says, been enjoying Just Shoot It. Good stuff. The latest episode got me wondering about animation and commercial work. I see commercials for everything from Pop-Tarts to medications that I could duplicate in animation. Do you have any opinion on whether it would be a good idea for me to reach out to LA production companies directly offering animation services? Or do you know of any resources that might help? Thanks. So this guy is an animator, filmmaker, animator, and thinks he can be of help to commercial production companies. Do you think like the soliciting them directly is helpful? Yeah, I think that that sort of world is a little tricky because
2: in my experience, there are animation houses, right? Like Titmouse is kind of like the easiest example where... You know, they're an entity that has like a staff that can kind of balloon up to whatever they need production wise. And all of their animators are like CalArts guys, most likely that, you know, they kind of can emulate whatever style they need. Right. So like it's a bunch of producers, like sort of like motion graphics will do this as well. There'll be a bunch of producers. They will be like, hey, here are all the looks that we've got. You know, Comedy Central will say, hey, we want to do an animated show. And then they'll be like, "Okay, well, here are all the different looks that we can do. And here's a couple of custom pitches. These are the price tags based on how involved the animation process will be. Once one of those companies says yes, then they're kind of just farming it out, right? So like you have to be the sort of person who's either super versatile or, you know, you're doing character rigging or you kind of, you're either super specialized or you have to be able to do everything. I feel like in your experience is that accurate to you guys sort of like vfx too right? yeah
1: i mean i think i think that it would be a hard pitch to go to like get a pop talk commercial you know because yeah, yeah. like those those commercials are like you know first of all they're it's risk for them they're not gonna like take a gamble on some someone they don't know you know they're right. gonna go to like the top five company you know but i think where there's a great opportunity is like one level below you know where it's like you know, mm. a, a more medium budget thing they maybe couldn't even afford some uh, sort of commercial. Yeah. You know, Or, or, yeah. or like, the, you know, yeah, it's like they want to do a sequence that's out of their price range, but this guy can come in and sort of say yeah. like, well, I can do it for half what anyone yeah. else would charge. You know, I mean, that's sort of the, like if you if you have the skills and you're willing to underbid, right. you know, it's not like you, you, you're not going to go to Johnson & Johnson and get their work, but you could go to, I don't know, tom's shoes i don't know why i said that but like you know
0: i was recently involved in an animated like a fully cg animated commercial and you know it's like a smallish budget like 50 grand they wanted a 30 second broadcast ready spot that had like a bottle of their product kind of dancing Mm -hmm. on a white background you know so you'd have to model the bottle and then animate Mm it and add some music and sound effects and there was like some voiceover which is you know doable for fifty grand if you have one guy animating, right, right, kind of and rendering and doing all that right. stuff. So the way we ended up finding the people is I, I think I went there there's some websites, there's CreativeCow dot com, right. there's places where you can list your portfolios, and I just ended up finding a bunch of animators reels and looking at them, and we contacted some of them, and right. we ended up hiring. You know, one really small animation company that ended up saying, you know what, this budget is so small, we're just going to connect you with our animator, like this one guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. There's no than, like, like room for overhead stuff. for us to manage it for you. Right. So you can do that. I mean, in general, I don't know about you guys, but I get emails from composers like once a week saying like, hey, man, love your movies. Like if you ever need music, like clearly someone that has no idea who I am just yeah, yeah. found me on IMDb yep. or something. Same. And 99% of the time, I just ignore it. Mm-hmm. But if I was on a day and I needed music that day, I would probably listen to it. I'm thinking I talked about this on the podcast before, but there's this book for actors by Sharon Bialy, this casting director. And she talks about whether a, an actor should send out postcards to casting directors. And she says, look, when I get a postcard from an actor, I do the same thing. I glance at it and I stick it in the trash can every single time. But if we're looking for, you know, Hispanic blondes you know that are 22 years old and you look like you might fit that then and you happen and i happen to get your postcard that day i'll give it to my casting associate and tell them to check you out maybe call you Mm -hmm. in so soliciting definitely works but it's like again it's a numbers game like if you contact 200 production companies you might hear back from two right Right. because it just works out with the timing i did find my composer for squaresville through a cold contact nice oh really
1: yeah Hey, Philippe Pierre he's great but but so to that end I, I can never remember anyone's names what's his, his Justin Justin Justin, yeah. Justin needs a great little reel mm-hmm. right like he needs to like take what all of his best work set it to some cool song like a minute to two minutes. You know, and that needs to be part of the pitch so that so that whoever is looking can, can, and and needs something
0: at that moment that is in that real can be like,
1: Oh, perfect, this guy.
0: Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. That's a given. And you know, there's a lot of great examples of reels on Motionographer and Mandy.com and, you know, a million different places. Yeah. So cool. Okay. Well, we have our last question is from Timothy Plain, who's actually the host of another podcast what? called Making Movie Is Hard with three exclamation marks. And actually, I was listening to a bunch of episodes today, and it's it's really good. It's kind of yeah. like our podcast, but it's you know centered in the Bay Area. Is it just him, or does he a co-host? Think they're not serious about filmmaking. Oh, <laughs> oh, <burn>. throwing <laughs> just, shade. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's really good. It's him and a co-host. His co-host is named Alric. I think I'm pronouncing it right. could not figure uh, out. Alric, like, Alric. It's like is, is that an Israeli was- name? Alric, maybe not, because it's kind of like Arik is an Israeli name. Uh-oh. Anyway, so they have a podcast. It's about basically, you know, making movies. They're both kickstarting their first feature. Timothy has a lot of experience in the advertising world. He worked for Goodby Silverstein. Good- sure, yeah. Goodby, right? I, can't I
1: wonder if he knows my
0: friend John uh <laughs> timothy tweet us, yeah, us could be you know John, partners. Right? he's been there for a long time actually yeah and yeah. Alric has made some shorts and you know they've both played at a lot of festivals gotten a lot of views online and they actually just did this i'm going to talk about him in my unpaid endorsement but they did a, okay. a really cool episode that i just listened to today oh wow. um anyway timothy says as a filmmaker with a full-time salary job so he he works for this advertising agency he's not a filmmaker at work, but he has a really good job. Got it. As a filmmaker that has a full-time salaried job, I often find myself wondering if I've created a gilded cage for myself. Should I leave for the freelance pastors of Los Angeles or stick it out here and wait for that one piece of work that catches fire? I'm sure you both have thoughts on that. Yeah. I think uh, there's a couple
2: things. A, we always talk about San Francisco is not a cheap town, right? So mm-hmm. in terms of transferring from San Francisco to, to Los Angeles, if you can get a great ad agency job there, and you can get one here as well, I feel like your money goes a little bit further, right? and yeah. we've talked about that. But I think like the thing that bumps for me most specifically is like the idea of an ad catching fire or a video of some sort catching fire, and that being the linchpin in launching your career and obviously like eric that's literally what happened with you right but i think it was a situation where you were in the building right like you were there to be able to seize on all of those opportunities that that
0: great short film that but but there's a huge difference between eric making the short that he wanted to make that showcased his skills and you making the best version of someone else's creative work yeah but i think he's talking about like he does his own creative work as well
2: just in San Francisco, yeah. Correct he, or no? Yeah, I
0: mean, right now his job is producing big ad campaigns, like big right. budget ads. So I think he he's saying, should I use my connections of being a producer in the ad mm-hmm. world to hopefully get to direct an ad and get that to kind of? Well, It's unclear
1: if he does. He want to direct ads or does he want to direct movies?
2: Yeah,
0: he wants he wants to direct movies, and he's he has directed some ads. Yeah, I get, I kind of wrote an excerpt of what what he said. I guess to add some more details, he says. I'm an agency producer, mostly TV commercials, and also direct low-budget commercials. I've been here for 13 years, and in that time, I've worked on everything from zero-budgeted web films to million-dollar TV campaigns, including the award-winning spot for Adobe Photoshop's 25th anniversary, which is amazing, by the way, if any of you guys have seen it. it won three prizes at Cannes, a D and ad Pencil, and was nominated for an Emmy. But as comfortable as I am here, I've never been completely satisfied, because what I really want to do is direct feature films. So outside of work, I write and direct short films and soon my first feature in the hopes that something will catch fire and I can transition from advertising into narrative work. I'm following in the footsteps of Dan Trachtenberg, Mm. who I'm familiar with Portal and 10 Cloverfield Lane, but I don't know how he got there. Do you guys know anything about his career? Not really, no. Yeah, I mean, I think that I just go
1: back to my, my gotta be in the building, you know, kind of thing. I mean, Dan Trachtenberg, you know, he fell in with the bad robot people. You know, yeah. I know he was developing a couple projects with them. I think the first couple didn't didn't pan out, but then Ten Cloverfield Lane did and you know, he just he 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 was in he was in the right building. I think if you're in San Francisco doing ads, you're just not read meeting the not just in, not just like not meeting like the producers or executives who are gonna green out your movie, but you're not meeting like the writers who are gonna mm-hmm. you know, like collaborate with you and make a great script. You're not meeting you know the actors who are going to sign on to you know you're not you're just not making those connections that are gonna come together to make a great movie
2: right i think there's also something to be said for being around other filmmakers just because there are things that wouldn't have occurred to you right it's not yeah. it's all about like connections doesn't just mean like how can other people help me right but like right right here having this conversation you can't do it in san francisco because there aren't enough people right i mean i guess they are, but like it's a different sort of situation. Like, yeah. like, like learning from people like you, like running into people like you at barbecues and things like that, that does kind of expand your worldview and the, your understanding of how even the business works in the first place. 100%. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I would add that even though this Adobe Photoshop ad is really, really, really awesome, it's like a fully CG ad. And so, if you want to direct actors and work with cameras, having produced this. I don't know if that gets you very far.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, there is a kind of like the the, the sexy commercial director who, you know, gets a shot at directing a feature, but more often than not, those don't work out that well <laughs> yeah well or maybe i think maybe the industry has
2: changed too much right like you can mm-hmm. name like fincher spike jones mark romantic right right, right. there was like, like this big group th- in th- the yeah. 90s yeah definitely but like i don't know that there's the opportunity to to be a big time commercial director like that anymore like 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 what right. we were talking
0: about last episode right 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 and by the way, I don't want to undersell Timothy. Like he's directed like hundred thousand. He did a campaign that was a hundred thousand dollars. He's directed a thirty thousand dollars spot that he showed us. So it's not like he's like yeah, coming very, from nowhere. Good. He's yeah. he's done some yeah. awesome stuff, which is maybe all the more reason to to say like, hey, your reel is pretty dope. Like you
2: can get a job down here. Like make that happen, and then then live comfortably down here, and like meet more people, and yeah. make your short films down here yeah 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 specific san francisco in particular just because it's so expensive
0: yeah i completely agree well cool well thanks to our listeners for sending in questions and thanks eric for helping us answer them of course yeah thanks guys it's all uh super inspiring to hear your stories
2: and um i believe you guys can all make it happen
0: oh yeah do you feel like we always just give them the same answer which is just like move to la and make stuff well, you know I, I don't know if i ever told you guys
2: i wrote into script notes once and uh It was a real fucking rush when I heard, they answered my question on the air. Wow. And like, I was high off that for three
1: days.
2: (laughs) So So regardless. Same thing with this. Yeah. 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 yeah, We are equally as. as Uh, What was your question? What was your your question? So I asked about, I kind of like been getting a decent amount of work and could sense that at I hadn't turned anything down yet, but I had a sense that like, eh, at a certain point, I'm going to need to be able to, how do I do so politely so that I don't burn bridges and I can continue to work with these mm. people again? Oh, I think I that remember works. that question because I mean, I've heard every episode. of yeah. Notes. So. Yeah, they were really good. And Craig told me to, what did he, he had a phrase like, oh, this is a, this is just a job I can't hit out of the park
0: is what he said. Like, it was like, oh, that's a diplomatic way of saying like, I'm not the right
2: guy for this one, but keeping me in mind for others.
0: Yeah. Which, by the way, I've, like, tried that so many times. I am always be like, you know, I could give it a try, but I just think there's better people for this job. And they're like, okay, yeah, but you're the cheapest, so give it a try. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Cool. Okay, well, so uh, now we're on to our favorite segment, the only thing that we can remember to do on a weekly basis, which is...
2: Unpaid endorsements.
0: Yeah. have one? I'll go first, yeah. It's an easy one because we just talked about Timothy Plain's question. And Alric, who is his podcasting partner. They have a podcast called Making Movies Is Hard with three exclamation marks. It's on iTunes and Stitcher and everywhere podcasts are found. I actually Googled our podcast, Just Shoot It podcast. And there were a lot of articles about like what coaches said to their basketball players. <laughs> uh, but there were a couple lists of like filmmaking related podcasts, and they were on the podcast on those lists with us. Anyway, I was listening to an episode today. That was really informative. Alric had, I apologize if I'm kind of messing this up, but he had found this service where I think you pay a little bit of money and you get to pitch a dozen or so Hollywood executives and agents your feature idea and they will give you feedback. And that feedback will either be like, it's not really for us or we'd like to read the script. And so he did the entire pitch on the podcast and then Timothy gave him feedback on what he thought worked and didn't work. And then he pitched it to those people. And he on the podcast, he talked about who he got good responses from, who he got bad responses from, and kind of his next steps and how they rated him. And I thought, I thought it was really informative because everyone kind of rated him on the quality of his pitch. And when you find out what they're looking for in the quality of a pitch, like how well did he create an original world? How well did he create compelling characters? How... Good was the ending. You know, these things, they basically gave him like a bullet list of things to make sure to hit in a pitch. I think it was the 83rd episode of yeah. Making Movies is Hard. So check out that episode and check out that podcast in general because it's cool. I really enjoyed it. Nice. Matt, Eric? Do you have one? I'm, I'm I, I, I got one. Are you, are you
1: guys familiar with the term log rolling? Log no. rolling? Log rolling. It means, it. I, I'm pretty sure it means promoting yourself. Mm. But I think it. I think you can also log roll for your spouse and so that's what i'm going to do because my wife is also an editor and she edited a movie called band-aid that is premiering at the sundance with adam pally maybe with adam pally yeah yeah, I just just talking about this movie today this guy's good uh <laughs> and so yeah uh zoe lister jones wrote directs and stars Adam Pally co-stars. Fred Armisen co-stars. Bunch Remind of
0: really- me who, where I know Zoe Lister-Jones from. Zoe, she kind of she and her husband Daryl Ween, I believe his name is, and yeah,
1: kind of came on the scene a few years ago. Did a movie that played at Sundance called Breaking Upwards, and then did another movie for Fox Searchlight called Lola Versus. Mm. And this is her solo directorial debut. My wife edited this movie. It's impeccably edited. It's very funny. It's basically about a couple played by Zoe Lister Jones and Adam Pally who are having relationship issues and they decide to address their relationship issues by forming a band and writing fight songs like I Hate You, You Suck, but in song form. And it's a lot And they're or, both the singers in, that. in they're the both, band? They're both singers in the band, yeah. And what's cool, well, part of what's cool about the movie is that every, they really can play. And so all the songs oh, are cool. recorded live. And Fred Armisen is a drummer. And he can play. He's great. He's an amazing drummer. A lot of people know that. So it's a lot. Of, it's a lot of fun. It's kind of like romantic comedy, but there's good music, and it's playing the Sundance. So if you're if you're going to Sundance, make sure to see Bandid. And if you're not, then you can probably watch it on Netflix in a few months. Yeah. Have you been
0: to Sundance before?
1: I've been to Sundance four times. Three times with movies that I've edited. Oh, wow. And I think we talked, you were there the year for the 10, right? I did the 10, Cedar
0: Rapids, and a little movie called Birds of America that no one saw. But yeah. If you ever go there without any project there, it's incredibly difficult to get tickets to movies. (laughs) Yeah, I I was there the year of the 10 and didn't see a single thing.
1: Yeah, so (laughs) yes. So no people is the key. If the key key to Sundance is to go on the weekdays, because if you go on the weekends... It's just too great It's just too But if you go like on a Wednesday, it's not that bad. Wow. Cool. Okay. Oh, okay. Sorry, I just I I just realized I didn't say my wife's name. Oh, yes. Which is my wife's name is Libby Cunan and she edited Bandit and she's
2: awesome. Well, my unpaid endorsement is a show called Fleabag. Have you guys seen the show? Yep. It was on Prime. Did you like it or no?
0: Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I think I'm on episode five. So I haven't finished it yet. I really enjoy it. Yeah. yeah I, cool. Boy, I really loved
2: it. I think um, I loved it. It's like the, it's like a a kind of a cool heightened world, but I think the jokes are so sharp. I think it's really well shot. I think all the performances are great. Yeah. I I just thought it was awesome. And I think it really kind of unfolds in a fun sort of mysterious way and kind of, it's just got a really clear, clean point of view. And a cool style.
0: Like yeah. House of Cards, if it was mm-hmm. about a British sex addict. Yeah, in like dark it, past.
2: It, it, I think it's, so. It's uh, based off of her fringe show. So she had a one woman show. So I think that's kind of where some of that first person stuff comes from. I could be mm-hmm. wrong. No, you're right. But yeah, I just thought it was really yeah. great. It's on Amazon Prime. So you guys probably have access to it. And it's great.
1: Yeah. Did, By the way, you, if
0: you don't have Amazon Prime, get Amazon Prime. That's, for a, the free that, shipping. that's, a, that's a collective unpaid endorsement. By the way, did you hear her, her her next project? No, it was
1: just announced, and I don't know if it's hard it was, to tell. It's one of those things where it's like someone. It was like a, a pitch, and someone was like, "It's great," and she's hot. And so they were like, "You know, yes. she's 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 just she heat. Not that she's hot. She's hot, but in any case, uh, the point being that they released this press release, and so it was like her next is going to be the BBC spy thriller oh cool where yeah. she plays like an mi6 agent like a cheeky mean yes like snarky yeah, like, yeah that's exactly awesome. oh man yeah. yeah but there's like it's like there's a, like an evil
0: female spy that she's like going like it's like a cat and mouse kind of thing so that sounds pretty that's cool. like a great I mean, yeah. example of a pitch that would not work if she didn't have already made hadn't already made yeah. fleabag right because otherwise right. it sounds like this kind of generic exactly pitch that every yeah. comedian and yeah yeah in the world would pitch but yeah. once you're but you reload it with her personality that she could pull it off because
1: she she did play back
0: yeah yeah well cool well cool. thanks again eric for joining us and two in a row yeah boop, boop. we can find you at eric com. correct or uh, find out about your editing on imdb.com correct how do you spell that jk cool you can find me on twitter i'm at smitey and i'm at mr
2: Madenlow you can find out more about the show on our twitter at just shoot it pod or on our website just shoot it where you'll find out all about all the stuff we talked about maybe we'll even include some of the excerpts from the people who wrote in thanks again for writing in guys it's really awesome you guys can do it thank you so much and while you're at it maybe rate us
1: on itunes it really helps the show grow yeah, yeah also so- also i i also have a twitter
0: account Oh, right. at Eric Kisak, Which which Matt knows because he followed me today. Hey, hey. hey. at Eric Kisak. At Eric Kisak. Eric with a C Kissak. Oh.
2: Cool. Awesome guys. Music was provided by the Free Music Archive and the artist Jazar. and this was edited as always by Eric Kripo. Thanks, Eric.
0: Woo-hoo. And if you have any trailer you need edited, please check out Flashpoint.io. It's Eric's company. They do awesome stuff. And He'll give you a great deal. He'll give you ten percent off. you him the podcast. <laughs> right? Go. Who yeah. knows? Let's sure. try that. Thanks, <laughs> guys. Okay, bye. Yeah. And Alric has made some shorts, and you know they've both played at a lot of festivals, gotten a lot of views online, and they actually, sorry, my dog is chewing on a it's squeaky like toy. i so time. much fun.
2: So bored with our podcast.